Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you so very much for joining us to listen to a portion of the series on Esau and the Palestinians. Esau and the Palestinians is a five-hour audio series that deals with tracing from Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, all the way to the present-day Palestinian people. There is a history that needs to be looked at. We need to look at the past. We need to look at prophecy as it relates to what will happen to these descendants of Esau. And then we need to look at the present and see how this is all coming together. That's exactly what we do in the five-hour audio series on Esau and the Palestinians. I hope that this will be a blessing to you as we study the Word of God together. And now, an introduction to Esau and the Palestinians. Well, that's chapter 10, the rejection of the Jewish people of Jesus Christ. Now, and that's the present suspension. And that's uh, where we are today with Israel. Look at chapter 11. Here in chapter 11, and the first words are dynamite. Look what it says. I say then, hath God cast away his people? And then he answers immediately, God forbid. You know what's wrong with the amillennialist all over Great Britain that I just reported to you? And in fact, I have to say, amillennialism is rampant in all of Europe and much of the rest of the world. Amillennialism, which takes the word of God and allegorizes it, uses it figuratively, doesn't interpret, I'm being just a little bit simplistic in this, and we can discuss it later, but just as a point of information to you, uses the word of God and doesn't translate it literally. When he says he's going to reign for a thousand years, that means something else than a thousand years. When he says he's going to come back to the Mount of Olives, that means something else than the Mount of Olives. When he says he's going to have a battle of Armageddon and the blood's going to flow as high as a horse's bridle, that means something else instead of the mother of all battles that Saddam Hussein was going to take place. And so they allegorize or they use the word of God. You know what that does? That literally makes us God. Because if I have to come to the Word of God and say, well, this means literally what it says, and this means figuratively or allegorizing what it says there, I become God. It's a dangerous, dangerous philosophy. And amillennialism is permeating the known church throughout most of the rest of the world. And it's really running rampant here in America as well. There's a thing called pan-millennialism. You know what that is? They don't know what they believe, but they think everything's going to pan out finally. <laughs> That's just as dangerous. We need to make a decision on eschatology. What does God's word say? Is Jesus Christ going to come back? You know the three spots. And let me just, here we go. Da, 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 da. You thought I wasn't going to use them, didn't you? Let me just use these three microphones to represent the three main events in God's calendar of activities in the future. So that if you come in here and you don't know the terminology, premillennialism, amillennialism, all of that, uh, you know, God creates man, come along 4,000 years, Christ comes, lives, dies, buried, resurrected, goes to the heavens, 2,000 years, come to the next point in God's time 
and that is the rapture of the church. Then the seven-year tribulation period, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the thousand-year millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment, eternity, future, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. What a premillennialist believes is that Jesus Christ is going to come back before the thousand-year millennial kingdom. What a pre-trib rapturist means that the church will be raptured out of this world before the seven-year tribulation period takes place. Now, whether you know it or not, that's exactly what you are, a premillennial pre-trib rapturist. You can believe you're something else, but I'll show you throughout this week that's exactly what you are. Now, the amillennialist says there's no kingdom. They do believe that Jesus Christ is ultimately going to come back for eternity future. They're not sure how all these things came together. They don't understand what Revelation is talking about. That is like a fairy tale instead of the literal prophetic word of God, a scenario laid out for the Christian to understand what's going to happen in the end times activities. And they are saying then what has happened is that every promise in the book, you know that song, is for me. Oh, that's not a true statement. Anyway, they're saying that all the promises are for them, and God has now done away with Israel and replaced them with the church. That's called replacement theology. Martin Luther was a replacement theologian. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I didn't say he wasn't a saved man. I didn't say he wasn't key in the Reformation. But he was a replacement theologian. He says that the church, see, he came out of that theology. He didn't get all of his theology correct when he came out of the Catholic church. And he kept that. And he said the Jew was replaced by the church because they killed Jesus Christ. And in fact, he wrote songs to that effect. He preached sermons to that effect. He wrote booklets to that effect. And he spread. And do you know what? Because he permeated that wrong theology, maybe just wrong right this much, 400 years later, a man named Adolf Hitler stepped forward and said, let's get rid of these Jews. And a people in the National Church of Germany, the Lutheran Church, listen to me, said, you're right, Hitler. Those people killed Jesus. We don't need them. Oh, they didn't necessarily join with Hitler to throw him into a gas chamber or to put him in an oven. But they didn't do anything. They just stood back and didn't do anything. And Hitler killed six million Jews because of a wrong theology, an amillennial replacement theology. Chapter 11 of the book of Romans says that is not true. God selected them in the past. God has suspended them presently. Put them on a shelf, not done away with them. That's chapter 9 and 10. But God, God is going to revive them. He's going to restore them in the future. He's got a plan. It must be completed. Remember those covenants I talked about? The Davidic covenant has to be fulfilled. The Abrahamic covenant has to be fulfilled. The land covenant has to be fulfilled. The new covenant has to be fulfilled. They must be fulfilled. If you can negate those by the way, that's what amillennialism has done. Negate those promises to the Jewish people. If you can negate those promises to them, I'd be scared to death to accept any promise he gives to me. By the way, Hitler made the mistake. His big mistake was trying to put Jews in an oven or in a gas chamber. 
The book of Jeremiah, where that new covenant is given and promised to them, the book of Jeremiah says, as long as the sun, the stars, the moon are in the heavenlies, I'm not finished with the Jew. So all he had to do was get rid of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and he wouldn't have had to worry about the Jew anymore. But chapter 11 says the Jews have a future. They have a prospective salvation. And then Paul, I love Paul, dramatically now, he brings five witnesses to the stage to prove what he has just said and what I've just been saying to you. Look at him. Number one. Here's Paul himself. Number one, verse one. I say, then hath God cast away the people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. <laughs> I'm proof, I'm walking proof that God didn't do away with the Jew. When did Paul get saved? It was after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When they should have been rejecting Jesus and coming in with the new people, the church. Paul got saved a couple of years after. He was persecuting them. And God says, hey, I'm not finished with the Jew. No, sir, there's Paul, man. Come on, Paul, stand up. Oh, I know you're going to be the Gentiles' witness, but stand up. You're evidence that I'm not finished with the Jew. Then he used next person coming as a witness in verse 2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew, which he not what the Scripture saith of, of Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel. And then he brings forth Elijah. Remember Elijah? And boy, he, he won the victory. And God rained down fire on his sacrifice of the, of the bulls that had been put up on dry wood and soaked with 12 barrels of water. And he won the victory. Then he went and prayed, and all of a sudden he said to his servant, go out there and see if it's going to rain. And he went out seven times, and finally he comes back and says, look cloud out there about the size of my fist. He said, it's going to rain. You better tell Ahab, he better get himself over to Jezreel. He better be moving because there's going to be mud in the Jezreel Valley. And so he gets in his chariot and Ahab starts to cross over to Jezreel. All of a sudden it starts to rain. And God says, Elijah, gird up your loins, man, and take off and get to Jezreel. I, I love this. This is the part I really love. You know, and I was talking about Ahab running through the Jezreel Valley and, and, and that chariot. And all of a sudden, shoo, something comes flying by. Ahab, what in the world was that? Well, that was old Elijah running to Jezreel. But he didn't stop at Jezreel. He got to Jezreel and he went down to Beersheba, going south. He got to Beersheba and he's getting really depressed now. See, he had had a mountaintop experience, but now he's down in the valley. When he got to Beersheba, he said, this is not good either. So he ran, ran all the way to Mount Sinai. And finally at Mount Sinai, he said, God, I'm the only one you got. I am the only one. I said, oh yeah? I think I got 7,000 more. Just like you, buddy. <laughs> That's chapter 11 of the book of Romans. He, he bring, here he brings Elijah as a witness. And he says, what about those 7,000 Elijah had? That's not all the witnesses. Thank you very much for joining us in this study of Esau and the Palestinians. Now, this is a five-hour audio series. You have just been able to listen to a portion of the introduction to this series. It's an audio series on CD, and it's available to you. 
You can call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298, or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and go to our shopping mall and order your copy of the audio series on CD of Esau and the Palestinians. This series will help you to understand better what is going on in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict today and what God's plan is for the future. Thank you very much for joining us for this Bible study, and I hope it will help you to realize that the coming of Jesus Christ is close at hand. But before he comes back to the earth, at least seven years before that, he will shout, the archangel will shout, the trouble of God will sound, and we'll be caught up to be with him at the rapture of the church. By the way, that could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until.